0: Hey, y'all, welcome to the Water Break with Water Boy. No king, no king but Christ. No king but Christ. Uh, thank you for joining us on Thursday night, 7 p.m. Pacific time. We'll be tuning tune in every Thursday except for, like, Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, stuff like that. We'll be here every Thursday with the comedian next door, John Brannion. Is that is that is that the signal for next door, John? It, it's, uh, I thought that was the signal to bunt. <laughs> to bunt? <laughs> Comedian next door, John Brandon. I also have uh, uh, Bradley Pierce. He's a sensei lawyer out of Texas uh, that is joining us, as you can see on the screen. And he was at the SCOTUS hearing uh, literally yesterday in D.C. Uh, And so we're going to kind of talk to him about the SCOTUS hearing and get into uh, what he heard, how he received some of that information, and looking forward to talking about that here in a minute. First, as you guys know, it's Advent season. It's Christmas. Uh, one of the ways you guys could uh, Be working with us is through joining our club and we got some really cool stuff. If you become a Annual silver member or above we got a man box. We'll send you full of hat Christmas t-shirt Cigars and so forth. So sign up support us that way. Um, I want this show is brought to you by uh, Accountable to you Accountable to you Um, I'm gonna make some adjustments here while i'm getting into accountable to you um if you guys don't know about Accountable to You, they're a corporate partner of CrossPolitik and what we're doing here. Um, uh, they are a fantastic accountability software tool that you can install on your computer, your iPhone, and so forth. Um, make your wife accountability partner or your pastor or an, or an elder and so forth. And, and, and it helps you um, be accountable with your browser history and what's going on. Um, if you didn't know this, during COVID, pornography use increased by over 23%. 23% depression rates tripled screen time increased by five hours a day. I mean, that's a lot of five hours, increased by five hours a day. Um, I had a friend reach out to me because he knew our corporate partner was accountable to you. And, and he wanted to know how he could sign up, uh, because he wanted to put accountable to you also on his kids devices. He's got some young kids, uh, like me, eleven eleven my kids are eleven, nine and, and seven. And so it's also a great way to kinda of help your kids make sure they don't get caught down some sort of rabbit hole on their iPad and, and so forth. So you can install Accountable to you. Go to accountable to that's letter two you dot com forward slash FLF. Let them know that we sent you guys and I, I really appreciate. I really appreciate these guys and excited to be partner with them. Good Christian brothers over there. Uh, John, how did your week go, man?
1: It's Thanksgiving man.
0: Ooh! It's the, it's
1: the greatest holiday in america
0: <laughs> amen you get your whole family together
1: yeah everybody got together okay. and we uh made much merry
0: did you tell any jokes
1: no i don't do that <laughs> family time <laughs> you don't. Uh,
0: you don't bore them with with dad's work
1: i don't bore them with my work no i don't bring <laughs> work home with me uh yeah we, no it was good we had uh, we had turkey and ham because okay. we don't like to commit ourselves to no. one particular idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had stuffing, which is... <laughs> uh, and we had a big debate about stuffing and whether or not there's any point to it. And whether or not... It's gross. Yeah, that was what the debate was. Yeah. We had people on both sides. Um, we didn't have any cranberry sauce because unanimously in our family, cranberry sauce is pointless.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. No thank you. But, uh, I'm but, with you on that. That yeah, was a good week. So so we, um, my, my brother ordered smoked turkeys. There's this really cool company, I think called Greenberg, Greenberg Turkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're out of Texas. Actually might be out of Texas. Um, and they actually produce a really good t- smoked turkey. Um, it, it's kind of been, became a tradition when my mom and dad found out about a long time ago. And, and so my brother, anyways, he ordered two of those smoked turkeys. And I made, for leftovers... Um, I made Alabama white sauce. You guys know what Alabama white sauce is? No. Ooh. I made some some of the best Alabama white sauce I ever made. But it's really good with turkey and especially smoked turkey. Look it up if you need a recipe. Email me at at contact@fightlafeast.com. I'll email you my. So you're
1: not gonna you're not gonna tell us what it is. You're just gonna tell us it was awesome. (laughs) It was awesome. It was
0: just really good. You know, it's it's kind of a mayonnaise, vinegar, um, cayenne, uh, uh, lemon juice uh, mix, uh, but it's it's just. Really good. So, my dad introduced it to me a long time ago, and it's kind of gotten into my my food repertoire, you know.
1: So, can you eat it on other things, or is it just smoked turkey?
0: You know, I haven't really i've 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 only had it on smoked turkey, so I haven't tried it on other things. I should i should a chicken. I bet it'd work good on chicken. A lot of white meat stuff. I think it'd work. You know, kind of white sauce breakfast cereal. Oh my goodness, that would be gross. It would, um, yeah, you'd probably throw up with that. (laughs) <laughs> well no good I don't know. no good that's right well so this last week um actually yesterday third wednesday was the scotus hearing um in dc uh, i actually woke up in the morning and uh, had it playing on my phone with my kids at the breakfast table you know because we're in we're on pacific time so it was real early for us when the scotus hearing started uh, around the 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 dobbs case the mississippi case for those who are kind of followed this and and um bradley would be able to give us more detail later but for those who kind of followed this the mississippi case was basically in a, a a pro-life legislation that was banning abortion uh, uh, after 15 weeks so they had basically moved the standard of viability to what they were defining as 15 weeks um there, there's probably more detail we'll get into that that later but what happened was is it got appealed and now that case is before the supreme court and so this case, this 15-week ban on abortion, is um, pro-life advocates are saying it's it's going to overturn Roe v. Wade, and and while that might be true as a as a statement, it, it it needs to go a little further because what it's actually what the proposal is, what it's actually what they're actually arguing is to turn Roe v. Wade into a states' rights issue. That's really um, so if they overturn Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court rules in favor of the Mississippi case and they overturn Roe v. Wade, then they'll basically say this is left up to the state to decide if they want to have abortion in their state or not kind of kind of thing. And again, like I said, there's more detail there, but that's that's the gist of what's going on. But here's here's the deal. As I've been kind of thinking through, I listened to some of the hearing, not all of the hearing. I wasn't able to listen to it all. I take my kids to school and, and miss some of it, but I was able to listen to most of it. Um, If God uses this Dobbs case to overturn Roe v. Wade precedent, you know, um, in in the at the federal level, I I will praise God for that. I do think that is a positive thing. I I do think it's a victory. I don't by no means do I think it's perfect at all to to say that the Constitution doesn't protect life at the federal level um, and leave it up to the states. That's a that's a just a bad argument and all sorts of problems there. But I think it's important to understand how weak and fickle the foundations of kind of some of the things I heard in, in the Supreme court hearing, you know, you had Kavanaugh arguing that um, the constitution had nothing to say about abortion. Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh put that forward. You had um, chief uh, justice Sotomayor arguing that just because babies retract at pain or retract at a needle maybe poking them inside their mother's room doesn't mean they really feel pain and doesn't mean they really um there's there doesn't mean there's really life in them and so to use the example of someone who's brain dead and said well you know if you poke someone who's brain dead they might twitch but they aren't feeling pain um and, and so that's some of the crazy Logic that that's going on in this hearing and some of the crazy questioning that's going on in this hearing so um, I'm not that if if Roe v. Wade gets overturned based on the arguments that are being presented I'm glad it is but the the arguments that the pro-life lawyer was laying forth he admitted and recognized Kavanaugh's statement and question by affirming saying yeah the the Constitution doesn't say anything about for or against abortion The pro-life lawyer representing Mississippi, Mississippi case said that agreeing with Kavanaugh. Um, in other words, the other way of stating that is, is he saying that there's uh, that the constitution's neutral regarding abortion. And so we need to understand it it, it, again. I can't, can't say this again uh, more than enough, but uh, uh, if it passes and Roe v. Wade gets turned back to the States, I'm happy for it. I'm gonna talk about that more in a minute. Um, but the arguments that are being presented from the pro life side and from the pro choice side of things are both really bad. It's foundationally. It's not good. Um, but let's run And I'll get into more of that here in a minute with, that's why I got Bradley Pierce on to talk about some of the stuff. But the one positive thing I see in all this is that let's say Roe v. Wade gets turned back to the States. Okay. And, um, we've talked about this on cross politics Sunday special before, uh, the the positive thing about that is you will see the fruit in a lot clearer contrast, you will see the fruit of states who ban abortion and honor God, states who ban abortion and honor life versus states that don't ban abortion and have a culture of death that raises up over the next 30, 40, 50, 100 years. I want that contrast. I want that argument to speak for itself. I want Idaho to be a culture of life for the next 100 years. Amen. And let's let's watch the rot of the culture of death in the state of Washington, seven miles to the west of us. Let's let that happen. Human, human capital is the most important thing that God has given us. We are made in his image. Humans are made in God's image. God honors life. We should honor life. And when we do that, uh, God will bless us. And so I want the state of Washington to, to encourage a culture of death, and I'd and love to see Idaho in abortion, and watch those two cultures grow up, and you have those comparisons over the next 30, 40, 50 years. So that's the one bright light I, I, I can see in all this. Um, and granted, it's not a, it's, it's not a perfect scenario, but, but it's finally allowing for contrast to happen that I think should have happened a long long time ago in this argument. Uh, and, and because pro-life conservatives are so bad at giving up the foundations for their arguments in court cases like we just heard. Um, it's, uh, we're just as bankrupt as the pro-choicers in all this and how they argue. We're giving up the center. We're giving up the foundation of God's word in the hearing. You, you didn't hear anything. In fact, in fact, the lawyer agreed with some of the judge's articulation saying that religion has nothing to do with being pro-life. Religion is not a factor in how the Supreme Court should be deciding for pro, pro-life or pro-choice. And so they, they're trying to be religiously agnostic in their arguments, and that's, uh, those arguments are just setting us up for um, greater failures down the road. And everything. I understand that the lawyer is trying to, the pro-life lawyer is trying to work within a framework that he thinks the judges, the Supreme Court judges will buy into. I understand he's he's trying to work within a framework that he thinks they'll buy into. Um, and there's some there's some plays to be had there on that. But you cannot neglect the foundation of God's word in all this because you're going to set yourself up for greater failure down the road. So um, uh, be, still be praying for that case. I think um, they're going to be deciding the issue this summer, I think, is when they release their... Um, uh, majority and i guess minority um uh, reports and and decision and so be praying for that but uh um uh we'll get into more of this on the sunday special so also tune in sunday special we got some things planning uh to be talked about around this and everything so john you know were you able to listen to the hearing and and what was your what's your thoughts on all this
1: are you gonna ask me when you have? A sensei lawyer, I'm, right I'm, here. I'm,
0: I'm letting him get warmed up real quick. You're he, gonna
1: ask me yes. my opinion before the <laughs> sensei lawyer speaks. There's no way I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I paid a little bit of attention to it, oh. but um, I'm, and I'm, I'm with you. I think that the, um, that the foundational argument needs to be that there, that there is a God, and people are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of that God. But I don't know um, enough about the law to know how much of that sort of uh, rhetoric will be allowed and how much of it will be useful.
0: Or effective in the courtroom, in the courtroom right. setting. Yeah, okay. Um, now, now, uh, Bradley, you were actually... Um, Uh, I don't know on the lawn or out in front of the courthouse. So, you know, you were, you were there yesterday. Um, Maybe, maybe start here. Tell me kind of your first, your overall impressions of what of of the SCOTUS hearing uh, and, you know, kind of your first overall impressions of it. And we'll get into more detail later.
2: Yeah. So I got to be out there uh, representing the foundation to abolish abortion. I work with also abolish abortion, Texas. And uh, we were out there, uh, kind of doing a live stream, uh, so for people to be able to, uh, get an introduction, what is this case all about? Why are we here? What are the ramifications of that? And then stream that to folks so people can listen in and then afterwards give a reaction to that and it kind of explain what we just heard and where the case is going and, and, uh, when we may hear something and what the options are. So yeah, I got to be out there in the middle of the mayhem, yeah. uh, out there on the courthouse steps. Uh, yesterday morning and it was you know quite a sight there was uh they got it's kind of a uh, they won't let you kind of go go up near the court actual near the doors of the courthouse uh Uh, a lot of you know normally in, in normal years they actually let a certain you know the public go in once they reach capacity they let attorneys uh, who have filed briefs in the case, which I had, uh, in this case, um, they let us go in, but because of COVID, unfortunately, they're not, not letting anybody else in except for the actual parties and their attorneys. So, okay. uh, we had to, had to be right outside, but outside there were lots of demonstrators, uh, lots of rallies going on on both sides and they had a, you know, kind of a barrier separating kind of the pro-life demonstrators and the pro-choice demonstrators. Uh-huh. Uh, but one thing that was you know that was very uh, I, don't, I don't know just the image that i had was that both sets of demonstrators at the same time were all kind of in, in some ways doing the same thing we're you know we're we're all there to um, you know pray to the court and pray that the court uh gives them what they want yeah. and um so yeah it was pretty noisy out there, pretty rowdy. Thankfully, you know, everybody was safe from what I could see. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I say that everybody was safe. I actually, uh, there was a, a group of pro abortion, um, went, I was gonna say ladies, but that's, that's a little too generous. I think, uh, women out there who actually actively took abortion, uh, pills out there live. Um, just, in front of god and everybody right. um, to exercise their so-called um right and empowerment to kill their own children so wow. it was not safe out there for everybody um and i and and so that was sad a very very sad wow. um and it's allowed sad that they're allowed to do that with impunity uh, because of roe versus wade because of how we treated abortion but right yeah i got to be out there it was uh really interesting and i got to listen in to the oral arguments as well.
0: Yeah, and so what were your, you know, kind of first impressions of the oral arguments um on um uh man there's just so much there. I mean, what were your first impressions, uh, you know, with the judges, the pro-life lawyer, the pro-choice lawyer, you know, what 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 was kind of the the politics going going on that you kind of sensed and picked up?
2: Yeah, it was you know, I was talking to somebody earlier today about this that I kind of described what we heard in the oral arguments from both the attorneys and from the justices, we kind of, we heard some, the good, the bad, and what I would call the concerning, right. That we don't know if it's going to be good or bad, but it it seems kind of concerning. There there are lots of really good things, um, you know, that, uh, that, that we heard just to kind of set the stage. There were three attorneys that were uh, arguing before the court. They got an opportunity to speak. And then every justice had the opportunity to, you know, to ask them questions. And they were doing that pretty rapid fire for, you know, a couple of hours. And there was an attorney, the solicitor general of the state of Mississippi, representing Mississippi there. There was the uh, attorney with the Center for Reproductive Rights um, that was representing the abortion mill um, from Jackson, uh, Mississippi, which is the only surgical abortion mill in Mississippi that I'm aware of. And then there was also the solicitor general of the state of uh, of not of the state of Texas of the United States, um, who was there representing the Biden administration and uh-huh. arguing also for a pro-abortion position. So, uh-huh. so they, you know, split time, uh, evenly between kind of the pro-life side and the pro-abortion side. And, uh, you know, one thing that was very apparent is that the, the attorney solicitor general represented the pro-life side, you know, was very well prepared, very polished, uh, did it really, uh, overall, you know, a good job. Uh, we can talk about some of the, the concerning things, and bad things there, but, yeah. um, you know, overall did a good job, you know, very skillful and, um, and represented the pro-life, you know, position, uh, pretty well there. And,
0: um, where, where did he do well?
2: You know, I mean, one thing that he did is, is he, he didn't shy away from saying that, you know, there's over 60 million you know children that have died from this, making yeah. this clear that this isn't just a women's issue. Uh, although that was certainly a big part of the discussion, uh, he made sure that, hey, this is also, you know, this is also, of course, I would say first and foremost, uh, about the children, about the children mm-hmm. in their mother's wombs that are, are being uh, led to the slaughter. Um, so he talked about that, did shy away from that, and he actually answered the justices' questions um, straight on and had answers for them. And he didn't shy away from even telling them where he disagreed with yeah. them and with the okay. court, so th- that was really good.
0: It seemed like there was a couple times where maybe I just don't understand the court dynamics, but sometimes where the justices like Sotomayor would ask him a question and then not let him fully finish and then ask him another question. You know, seemed like there's right. a, a little bit of that going on. Yeah.
2: Yeah. She, she certainly seemed a lot more interested in just using her opportunity to ask questions. as really an opportunity to make statements, kind of using him as her sounding board for doing that. Not really interested in engaging with the argument itself.
0: Yeah. What, um, okay. So how he articulated 60 million babies that have died from this, um, court order. Uh, what else, what other positive things that, um, that you thought he did well?
2: You know, he, at least in oral arguments, he made it clear that they were not, um, that they weren't, they weren't happy with, you know, some kind of middle ground that they were asking for the complete overturning of Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is a 1992 decision that kind of, you know, reinvigorated and doubled down on Roe versus Wade. So. Uh, he did a good job of of making it clear that um yeah we, we want a complete overturning of Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey and, and so that was another positive
0: aspect of what he did. Okay. And and so that's why they're articulating or the it became an articulation during the he- hearing that this is a watershed court case. Uh what right. what when they use that terminology what what do they mean by watershed court case?
2: Yeah, I mean I think what they're trying to say is that you know this is going to be a this could be right. We don't know for sure, because really, you know, whether it is a watershed court case or not, is kind of dependent upon the outcome. Uh, although in some ways it will be a watershed case regardless. Um, because if the court just, you know, if everything stays status quo and you know, they don't do anything to, you know, Roe versus Wade or Planned Parenthood versus Casey, and they mm. strike down Mississippi's 15 week ban, um, I think it, it will be a watershed because i think it will just um you know uh, hopefully if if that were to happen uh then it would awaken people even more that you know hey the supreme court is not the right they're not the solution to the problem they are right. the problem right um so it, it, it could be a watershed from that perspective or if they do overturn roe versus wade obviously that would be a huge
0: watershed moment too right do you um What do you think about – because basically they're they're saying is if Roe v. Wade gets overturned at the federal level, we're going to return this issue back to the states. And, you know, how do you see that as a victory or not a victory or, you know, how do you see that if the decision happened and went that way?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, that's what we heard, like you talked about earlier, and and that's what I – you know, when I I talk about one of the bad things that we heard yesterday, I really described – one aspect of that is being part of the bad argument that the Solicitor General of Mississippi was making, uh, that that Justice Kavanaugh started and saying that uh, you know, you're asking the question, you know, you're really saying that the Constitution is neutral, that it is neither pro-life in the sense of anti-abortion, nor is it pro-choice, that the the Constitution is silent and it is neutral on the issue of abortion. Uh-huh. And the Mississippi attorney said, you know, agreed with that. And, you know, that was one of the to me, that was the worst moment of um, the pro-life side of the oral arguments, Um, because, uh, you know, in in some ways, you know, for a lot of our country's history, that may have been a valid argument, you know, with our Constitution and Bill of Rights. But under the 14th Amendment, which we got kind of midway through our country's history here, You know, the the 14th Amendment says that no no state shall deny to any person Mm -hmm. within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Uh So if you believe a fetus is a person, then the constitution is not neutral, right? Right. When it comes to abortion. If a fetus is a person, then no state shall deny to them the equal protection of the laws. That's right. So if a fetus is a person, the constitution is anything but neutral. And in fact, the constitution would require not just the overturning of Roe versus Wade, but in fact, requiring states to provide equal protection, which is which means that the same laws that protect you and me as born people would be the same laws that protect them. Um, them. But the attorney for Mississippi, you know, went along with Justin Cavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh, and completely jettisoned the equal protection argument argument completely jettisoned the uh, the personhood argument right. and and i understand that you know that being a fallback position that hey argue equal protection and then even if the court doesn't agree then argue hey this is a state's issue 10th amendment etc right um but to completely just give that away i thought that was a bad move
0: now the 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 pro choice lawyer, um, she said the Constitution, and even before that, I think common law, she referenced, supports abortion. How does, uh, what's the argument are they making there where they're saying um, the Constitution and even apparently before we ratified the Constitution, there's a um, an acceptable uh, legal right to abortion.
2: Yeah, what she's talking about uh, is is not, (laughs) not in the Constitution. In fact, Justice Thomas asked her you know like what 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 right are we talking about what right in the constitution are we talking about here and she said liberty which is in the 14th amendment that no state shall deny liberty to Uh any person um so you know that's what she's talking about and she's using liberty in the in, in an extremely broad sense which is the liberty to commit homicide right on another human being Uh, That that would be quite a bit of liberty uh, that obviously our founders uh, of and and those who enacted the 14th Amendment, you know, had no concept that that's what liberty meant, uh, that 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 was a right that people had. But that's that's what she was talking about. And the the way that Justice Sotomayor put it was that uh, it's not in the text of the Constitution, but it can be discerned from the Constitution Um, or as the Supreme Court put it. Many years ago, in Roe, or in a, a case a few years before Roe, uh, creating a right to privacy that Roe was then later based on, and that is that it's it's in the penumbra of the Constitution. That Ooh. is, it's not in the Constitution; it's in this
0: spirit of the shadow Constitution, of a yeah. shadow. Uh-huh.
2: That if you if you look just right and squint just right, you can kind of see around the Constitution. So, so like Justice Sotomayor said, you can discern it, but it's not. You can't actually you can't read it. But you can discern it. Um so I think it's pretty telling though that uh if it's not in the text then it's not in there.
0: Wow. Um I think it it'd be interesting to talk to the Mississippi lawyer um cuz I, I I think he would probably like agree with uh, you know us behind the scenes on, on this. Uh you know talking about um equal rights I I bet he would probably actually agree on the equal rights issue behind the scenes. Um right. you know Pardon me, John. Call him up, Gabe. Call him up. <laughs> Call him up. Get him, <laughs> get him on the show. Get him on the show. You know, and then I think he would also agree with me that religion really does matter, even though he denied that in in the hearing. Um, would you take? Would you kind of take that uh, understanding there with him?
2: Yeah. Well, and and I, I mean, obviously, the as far as what, what to do with the equal protection argument, that was a strategic argument that they made. I think it was the wrong decision and I think okay. we're going to see ramifications of that yeah. uh, for a long time to come. Um, and so I think it was the wrong argument to make. Um, but that was, and again, that ultimately that wasn't necessarily his decision. It was his boss, the attorney general of Mississippi, who okay. ultimately makes those strategic decisions. So, okay. um, but yeah, I think it was the wrong one as far as on the religious you know, question. Um, I'm not sure that he said that it, you know, that it was not a religious issue. Um, I, I you know I think he was maybe pointing out that it is more than a religious issue, at okay. least in the, the way that the justice was was uh, Sotomayor was asking about it. okay. Um, you know, that that it's more than a religious issue. It's also a scientific, ethical, philosophical, you know whatever okay. else issue as well.
0: that That's helpful clarification there. Um, how would you score the conservative judges in um their questioning? And, and what do you take? Do you, did you get any hints at it? I, I kind of felt when I was yeah. listening to it that some of the judges, some of the conservative judges were like hedging their bets or asking questions in such a way where they're trying to um, uh, not basically not take responsibility for the ramifications. If they decided in favor of ending Roe v. Wade, like they're trying to ask questions in such a way where it kind of like removes my authority and we're going to make this a state's right issue. And this is what it should be. And this is not a Supreme court problem anymore.
2: Yeah, I mean, there there were some some good things uh, and, and like I said, and then some concerning things. So, uh, you know, one of the good things that we heard uh, that I think came through pretty clear is that um, I, I don't think this, the, the status quo is not going to continue is, is my expectation. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're just going to leave things the way that they are. I don't. Right. I don't think that they're just going to uphold Roe 100 percent, uphold Planned Parenthood versus Casey 100 okay. percent, and strike down the Mississippi law. I don't think they're doing that. I don't. I don't think they would have granted th- this appeal in this case if that's what they were going to do. Hmm. That, and that came through in their comments and in their questions yesterday. So, I, so that that was encouraging. That was positive. One thing that was concerning that we heard yesterday was that, especially Chief Justice roberts but but several others were asking questions about is there some this is the way i'm putting it not them but is is there a middle road right is there something Mm -hmm. short of completely overturning roe versus wade um and and what's called the viability standard from roe versus wade um which says that before uh, you know before a child or before a fetus is viable and can survive outside the womb that before that time the state doesn't have sufficient interest in regulating it to override the mother's so-called right to an abortion um so that's kind of the viability line and that's why uh-huh. in states across the country conservative you know pro-life states we have 20-week bans right that's about you know 20 weeks gestation it's about about the viability line um this case is moving it up quite a bit um even if 15 weeks from fertilization uh, so moving it up quite a bit, is so that's kind of a big move. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, but the, 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 justices, especially chief justice Roberts, it seems like he's looking for a way, uh, to take a much smaller increment, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and kind of pardon the, you know, pardon the analogy here, but split the baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and to say, um, you know let's 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 make as small of his movement as possible let's find a way to uphold the 15-week ban but still leave roe and casey in place uh-huh. maybe by using the casey undue burden standard um to somehow you know shoehorn a 15-week ban into that and um you know but, but all the attorneys for both pro-life and pro-abortion side you know were Not friendly to that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that that's not where, you know, the justices are going to go. And and I, here's the concerning thing about that is, you know, even if you have, so there's six Republican appointed justices, even if all six of them want to uh, ultimately uphold the 15 week ban in Mississippi, if only two of them, if two of them say, I'm not willing to overturn Roe or Casey, um, but I'm okay moving the line from viability to 15. It only takes two of them to think that way. And that's, what's going to happen. So if, if, if Roberts and one other judge decide, Hey, let's just move the line from viability to 15 weeks, Uh then that's, what's going to happen. Even if the other four, you know, uh, conservative justices disagree. Um, so that that's my current expectation. That's my uh, prediction. I'm not a prophet. So don't stone me if that doesn't happen. Um, but, uh, you know, that would be my expectation, uh, especially because something else that we heard repeatedly from both the, you know, the Republican appointed justices and the Democrat appointed justices, they talked a lot about not just the merits of the case and children, the babies and things like that, but also, uh, how people are going to view the court. Right. Uh-huh. And that is the, the reputation of the court. Being viewed as some kind of political institution, and they don't want to look that way because that's going to hurt their influence. Uh-huh. And uh, that we heard that from a lot of the justices on both sides. Uh, that that there's a lot of concern there, yeah. and and that's always been an issue with the court. And it's definitely been an issue with Chief Justice Roberts that, in a lot of ways, the way that he rules seems like he cares more about the role of the court. Um, you know, in uh-huh the American federal system. He cares more about that than the outcome a lot right. of times. Um, so I think he'll be looking for a way to um, try to make both sides not happy, but maybe yeah. uh, satisfied enough that, yeah. um, that they won't you know, immediately start you know, talking about court packing, which mm-hmm. uh, people on the pro-choice side are talking about mm-hmm. um, or talking about restricting the jurisdiction of the court, which I even heard you know, S- Senator Ted Cruz talking about, uh, just today, so wow. uh, I think I think they're going to try to tr- try to avoid both of that by doing something that gives everybody a little something without giving everybody
0: uh, everything they want. So let's say Chief Justice Roberts gets his way, or, or or your guess, your prophetic guess is is right, and they say, okay, we move the viability line to 15 weeks. Would that? all of a sudden apply to every state, including like New York and their nine month ban and all that, or their nine month abortion policies and all that.
2: That's certainly how it would be received. Yes. And I think what, what it, it would, it would apply to every state in the sense that states would now be, have the freedom to uh, move their lines. So it doesn't mean that it's, that's New York would immediately have a 15 week ban, but it means the states like, you know, Texas and other states that have a 20 week ban, mm-hmm. That they could move that up, um, move that up by a few weeks. Um, and that, and that's really the concerning thing is because uh, that's really the worst, the worst option of all, yeah. because, um, for, I, I think for the, for the movement to abolish abortion, it's the worst option of all because it's going to, uh, dampen the righteous indignation that people have, uh, over the issue of abortion. It's going to dampen it. It's going to, Make people feel like we had some kind of a victory um, when only six percent of abortions happen in that time frame, and many of those are just gonna okay. I'll just get them done earlier, and uh-huh. in fact, it could even increase the abortion numbers because um, people just get they don't have as much time to make a decision, so they make a worse decision. Oh. Um, so that's certainly possible, and more importantly than than the numbers aspect, it's going to further entrench you know Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey and, and evil into our, um, right. you know, rule of law here in this country. So, right. you know, unfortunately w- what I'm expecting is the worst possible, uh, worst case scenario, um, for the movement to abolish abortion and ultimately delaying the abolition of abortion by, by decades. But I, I that's not what I'm praying for though. I'm praying that yeah. uh, I'm praying that the justices, uh, of course, I want them to go all the way. And, yep. and we, we filed a brief along with 20 other organizations. You know, We filed a brief with the Supreme Court uh, arguing for them to go all the way and provide equal protection. Um, that's what I want them to do. Unfortunately, no one's even asking for that mm. uh, as far as the parties in the case. Um, but what I love if they overturned it and returned it to the states, yes, that would also be great. Um, I, I would take that but um but yeah, you know just moving the line that that's that's going to be really bad
0: right john you got any got anything uh
1: yeah i wonder and this might be um this might be a question that it doesn't even um that you're not even able to answer because it's outside of the this may be more political question than a legal question um and that is what is is, is there a, uh How much how much of the uh, court's decision is going to be based on the the political backlash or the political consequences of any sort of a decision Do the justices? I I know that they're appointed for life, but there's still it seems to me there's going to be some beholding to one political side or the other. And this is absolutely going to be politicized regardless of what they decide. how much of that, how much how much politics factors in to their um, unbiased <laughs> proclamation and upholding of the Constitution? I think a lot. A lot. I mean, they're human
2: beings, just like the rest of us. Uh, I think they like to be perceived as being independent and unbiased and and that. but you know, they're human beings with with you know fallen fallen natures, like every other human being. Um, so so absolutely there's, there's political calculations that they're making, um, both about what this may do politically as far as, you know, partisanship, but also what it might do to the influence of the courts, both in the short term and the long-term. And so I think they're, they're absolutely weighing that and, um, and making those calculations, of course, you know, as a lot, a lot of folks have pointed out, um, you know, that, as we say in Texas, that horse is already out of the barn, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's that 49 years ago when they brought, you know, issued the Roe versus Wade decision in the first place is when they made this a political issue. Um, when they took it, took it out of the hands of the States, uh, where, you know, homicide, you know, issues are normally dealt with and should be dealt with, uh, when they grabbed it and made it their own issue, then they're the ones that have turned it into a political issue. So, you know, as we argued in our brief, uh, we care about the legi- legitimacy of the court. We care about uh, the respect of the court and the way for them to regain that uh, is to, to, you know, to to solidify their foundations, right, which is the Constitution that created it right. and to bring itself back within that Constitution and, of course, bring itself back within the law of God, mm-hmm. uh, because without that, you know, the they're um, they're just going to continue to incur uh, God's judgment upon themselves and upon this country. So, what's best for the the court and what's best for the country is to to do what the Constitution says, what God says, and, and bring uh, overturn Roe. And as we argued, um,
0: you know, require equal protection as well.
1: So, you actually touched on that in your brief. Yes. Yeah. So John, uh,
0: yeah, did they, you, they you were, not read, did you not read his brief? Seriously? No, <laughs> no. I was,
1: I was, basically, I was just basically patting myself on the back for being right in line with what the sensei lawyer. Was thinking <laughs> <of
2: him>. Yeah, <laughs> no, You. we're thinking no. the same way. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, the whole first section of our brief, we're talking yeah. about exactly that. And that is, um, that yeah, public respect for the court is important, right? The Supreme court doesn't have they don't have a military they don't have a police force really to speak of um and so they the the power that the court has is is in the minds of the american people right and the respect that we give them um and the respect that the other institutions give them um so if they do something to lose that respect then they lose power and legitimacy and that's that's not good for the country and so yeah we're our argument you know one of our first arguments in the brief is that for the for the sake of the court's own legitimacy and its public respect it needs to uh, stop undermining its own foundations by undermining the constitution Mm -hmm. and undermining uh god's law which of course is a source of all authority on heaven and earth um you know and they need to bring itself back within that Um, so yeah that's absolutely something that we argued in our brief.
1: that's good
0: um, that's good. Any no further questions, no, no further, further questions. questions, your honor. Wow. <laughs> uh, any, uh, maybe just kind of give us a quick little, uh, 30 minute, 30 second, 30 minute summary on, uh, when's the decision going to happen? Uh, you know, kind of what's the next steps here?
2: Yeah. So we got, uh, it's expected in June. That's kind of the common wisdom among lawyers that that's when the court issues, it's more controversial decisions is in June. Okay. Uh, so sometime between now and June, the court's going to be working on that here in the next week or so they're within the court going to be talking about that, debating that. And then they're going to start the writing process and minds can be changing all throughout that between now and June. So wow. we'll, we're just waiting to see, waiting to see what happens. Wow. Well, so, but if I may, yeah, one please, more point. Just, you know that, that we are also arguing in our brief, and I think it's important that, um, you know, we shouldn't be putting our faith and hope in the Supreme Court, right? Uh, we hope that they'll do the right thing. We yep. hope that they they're the ones they're the ones who committed the wrong. They're mm-hmm. the ones, you know, the best ones to undo that wrong. So yeah, absolutely, they should overturn Roe. They should provide equal protection. Uh, but even if they don't, um, states should should move forward with bills to abolish abortion um, and to ignore Roe v. Wade uh, because like was argued yesterday, Roe versus Wade is unconstitutional. Yep. And the only laws that are supreme law of the land are those made pursuant to the constitution. That's right. So Roe versus Wade is unconstitutional. Let's stop treating it like something that it's not and let's just pass bills to abolish abortion across the country. So that's something uh, additionally that we also uh, discussed in our brief.
0: That's right. Where, where could people find your brief? Is there a, a, a link online?
2: Yeah, you can go to uh, our website for the Foundation to Abolish Abortion, FAA.life. And in the menu, there's uh, uh, an option for the Dobbs brief, Mm -hmm. Uh, or you can go to FAA.life slash Dobbs hyphen brief, I think is the name of it. Uh, So you can go there and be able to read the brief, Uh, or you can go onto the Supreme Court dot gov website and uh, oh. go on there and search search the Dobbs case okay. and and go on there and you can see our brief on the supreme court.gov website.
0: Okay. Bradley Pierce, thank you for joining us man. Appreciate you brother. Appreciate you, all the work you're doing there in the promised land. Thanks for having me. It's yep. Good to be with you. Thanks for joining me and John. John?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll
0: yeah, Gabe. See, yep. We'll see you we'll see you next Thursday, man. Here.
1: All right. I'll be here.
0: All right. Don't forget, check out the Comedian Next Door. Check out our uh, Sunday special coming up this Sunday night. Until next time, love God and go fight, laugh, and feast. So long.